It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's up? Welcome back to the Outkick Bets Podcast. I'm the host, Jeff Clark. It is the NFL Week 5 betting preview. I'm bringing in Fox News and business correspondent Scott Martins later to give us his barking dogs of the week. That dude is on fire. Eight and four thus far this season, two and one in all four weeks. He's debuted or he's appeared on the Outkick Bets show, but you guys. Read the description. You know the homie Dan Z's back here with me to help me break down the NFL Week Five slate, or at least go over our best bets. Dan, four and one last week, right? Uh, yes, four and one. Uh, gave those picks right here on Outkick the bets, the first Outkick gambling show, the preeminent Outkick gambling show. Uh, yeah, we've been giving out winners, man. I'm at 61% through the early part. Started a little slow. Still no losing weeks. I say that now because regression always comes. So as, as often as I can say that I haven't had a losing week, I'm going to say I haven't had a losing week. Went 2-2 two and two week 1, 2-2 two and two week 2, 3-2 and two week 3, 4-1 and one last week, which means only one thing, Jeffrey. And that is that I have to go 5-0 and oh this week. But it's going to be tough since I only have four picks. Well, you're a rock star. I uh, snapped a two-week losing skid last week. I uh, went three and two. I think I went three and two in all my bets. I went three and two in the Circa Million contest. I'm eleven and nine in the Circa Million contest. So, you know, above five hundred is something that I think you can kind of be proud about or proud what of. What are the leaders at right now? <laughs> like, is anyone like twenty and zero? I think I I don't know. I think someone is like seventeen and three, eighteen and two. Yeah, like there's some pretty sick scores out there, and I think six thousand entries in this year's circa million. So it's it's obviously competitive, uh, competitive pool, competitive field. And I'm gonna have to do it one of these years. Yeah, if you're gonna win one of these, dude, you gotta put up like seventy, and you were sixty four percent last year, which I don't even know if that would have made the money. That's okay. Maybe I don't need to do it then. I mean, if I can't get in with last year's record, then yeah. what are we doing here? The more that I think about it, the more I'm just like flushing money down the toilet. But oh, yeah, I just it's so much fun. These picks contests are so much fun. And once you get into one of them, Dan, like it's an addiction. It's yeah, so- see, that's I, I got enough addiction. I don't I don't need another one. Says who? Come on. <laughs> You're Party a bad with influence, me. sir. Party with me, bro. You're a bad influence, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll party on this podcast. Maybe you'll do a Circa Million or an NFL handicapping contest next year. I know you got the chops for it. As you, you and me. Party in Vegas. We'll we'll get our entries in together. Dude, I go every year for the NFL kickoff game. You wanna come? Yeah. You wanna you wanna you wanna be in I on do. that? I do. We'll talk to the wife and we'll see if we can make it work. Upgrade that encore uh, room to a suite. Just ball out, bro. 
You'd be I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little flustered here. <laughs> you'd be the you'd be the sixth man of my crew. We need to upgrade to a suite. Ah, oh, there's already a bunch of other dudes. Uh, yeah, it is a sausage party. Sort of thought it was gonna be like you know kind of a me and you thing, but all right. We can date, dude. I'll kick them out. <laughs> it's like my birthday gift from my brother, so I can't kick them out. But we'll figure it out. That's not what we're here to discuss. We're here to discuss again NFL Week Five. We'll start in the Thursday night football game, which is the Chicago Bears visiting the Washington, uh, Washington, excuse me, Commanders. And I love this game. This is actually my favorite pick of the week. I'm going with the Bears plus five and a half. I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on that money line. Uh, I make the Bears only a four-point underdog to Washington. And who is Washington to be laying more than four points against anyone? Right now, they are 22 or worse in net EPA, pressure rate, success rate, yards per play. So they're not a very good team. They've outperformed expectations, but they had low expectations coming into the season. And, dude, neither one of us are Justin Fields fans, but he low-key had the great, uh, the best game of his career last week. Plus 20% in completion percentage over expectation, career highs in yards, touchdowns, quarterback rating. And I thought this was kind of weird, but apparently PFF grades him as a better quarterback than Sam Howell. Now, by the eye, that really doesn't match for me. I think Sam Howell's played better than Justin Fields this year, but PFF is better at analyzing that stuff than me. And, Loki, I think Chicago's going to be able to run against this team. Like, they're fifth in yards per rush, second run block win rate. Washington's defense really is bad against the rush, 26 in yards um, per rush. So I like the Bears, plus five and a half, and no one's going to be betting them. So I think there's some value there. Yeah, I I considered I considered the Bears pretty heavily myself. Um, they're six at points bet right now. I agree with basically the one – point that i think is the key here is like who is washington to give six points to anyone um i actually think you know i bet on the bears last week and i hit because i had three in the hook which after going up 28 to 7 now let's talk a little bit about last week though because i had one of those weeks where i had your voice in my head that was like never count your money while you're sitting at the table because you always count your money at the table oh totally i'm uh, absolutely guilty of that all the time you do the worst thing Ever, which is like talk about how much you have at risk factoring in the win already. It's like, oh, I stand to win for an example, a hundred dollars. It's like, oh man, you bet a hundred dollars on this game? Like, no, no, no. It's like, all right, all right, take it easy, bro. Take it easy. Anyways, go ahead. What were you gonna say? I like to do a lot of reverse psychology though. That pisses you off because I'll be like, oh, like on a bet that you and I might be the same on and be like, oh, we lost that one. Like throw that money in the garbage because I'm like trying to get it to go the other way. But this was a week where at the Bears plus three and a half and the Rams minus one or plus one, either way. And both of those teams had three touchdown leads in the second half that they both blew. And thankfully they, they both games ended up going in our favor, but I've seen it too many times. They don't. But, you know, as I always say to you, like, you got to look at the analysis. I still count those as good wins. Um, Yeah, you got Bears plus three and a half, and you got it by a half a point. But we were on the right side, I I think. And same thing with the Rams. Just some fluky. Stafford got hurt. He was kind of limping around. 
I still think we were on the right side in both of those. The one big miss I had last week, though, was your Giants and the Seahawks. That over was never even – they didn't sniff going over that total. Not even close. Yeah, the best way for you to win that was if the Giants kept giving up defensive scores. It was the only way, really. I mean, the tone was set early because I felt actually really good about it with the Giants' first drive. I mean, they looked great. Had that fourth down, I was like, got to go for it here. Absolutely go for it, which they did, uh, only to fail on the tush push, which no one fails at. But anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Actually, bad week for the brotherly shove. Three teams yeah. failed on that. Justin Herbert failed on that. The Giants, dude. The Giants' second tight end and center got injured on that play. <laughs> Like yeah. everyone just thought it was a cheat code. Anyway, apparently not. <laughs> really, well, apparently the Eagles are actually just good at it. I guess I don't know. There's, I mean, it's true. There's a couple things. You know, we they often put out like these videos, and I, someone pointed this out, and I can't believe I hadn't really thought about. It, but like Jalen Hurts squats like 600 pounds. Like the fact yeah. that his lower body is as strong as it is definitely plays a factor in his ability to like For sure. drive into that pile. Like, there's no question about that. Uh, the Chargers going with it after I yelled at them last week for not, while Justin Herbert had a broken finger and barely couldn't take any snaps under center except that one. I was like, okay, the one situation, Brandon Staley, where I might consider not running a QB sneak would be if my quarterback has a broken finger, can barely take a snap, and now we want him pushing into a pile. Like, uh, Staley just, like, he can't get out of his own way. There's, I also think, like you said, he's just cursed. Like they're just they're just not going to get that. The football just, gods are like punt the ball, punt the ball. That's it. Like we're done with you. You need to punt the ball. We're going to make you fail at this until you punt the football. Even though it's a terrible decision, it's the wrong decision. You need to do it. You just need to learn a lesson about the NFL. Yeah, there's mounting pressure on both Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley to get those decisions right and to like win games that they're supposed to win. And you could just you like. That was, I do kind of like that he still went for it, though, because yeah. people are out for blood on him, and he knows it was the right decision both times. Like, both times it failed. And, you know, even our NFL uh, guy, Armando, who I greatly respect, but, like, he tweeted, like, Brandon Staley keeps getting away with terrible decisions. And I'm like, no, Brandon Staley keeps getting away with terrible execution by his players. It's not a bad decision to go for it on fourth and one. It's awful that your team can't gain one yard when they need it. And that was also part of the problem with the Giants running that play. It's like their offensive line's terrible. Now you're asking them to get push up front? Like, anyway. Yeah, I don't um, know why we're recapping week four. I mean, this time code situation's already foobar. Um, I like the Bears plus six. What? What's your first best bet? Well, let me finish talking about this game. Uh, actually, let me finish talking Are about, about Monday Night Football. Uh, I am, I actually, I have leans in, in this game, both. I like both the bears plus the points. I also like the over here. Um, I just, the bears just can't play any defense. The commander's defense. Okay. But Sam Howell's not terrible. As you mentioned, he's actually played decent. I, I don't think there's any reason these teams might, this might actually be like, this is one of those like tweets where you tweet, like you say it and then you like, you duck, you know, ducks. But I'm like this, like whispers, this might be an okay game. Like from a football perspective, like this could be a fun game. I I have a weirdly I have weirdly high hopes that this game's gonna be entertaining. I mean, it's back against the wall for the Chicago Bears. And 
Sam Howell, first-year starter, just played. As you said, this is the Matt Eberflus gets fired game. Absolutely. Um, and and Washington just played a tough overtime game on the road with a division opponent. They got a first-year starting quarterback. This is the this Wait, is there's the a, spot that the, you're this, right. this is the spot where teams let let down. There's a stat about this, and you should at some point look it up. I don't know if you used it in your handicap, but there is a stat about teams that go to overtime and then play on Thursday night, and they have an abysmal record against the spread, like abysmal. Wow, I will query that. Thank you. Yeah, definitely look that up. But there is a I'm I'm like fairly certain I've seen a stat about if you if your team goes to overtime and your opponent doesn't and then you play on Thursday night, like those teams do not perform well. And it makes perfect sense, right? It's already a short week. You played extra football. Yeah, played a physical tough game against Philly. Especially against the Eagles. Yeah, I'm actually, you know what? I might you know, I'm going to bet the Bears. I think you're right. I'm going to bet the Bears. Woo woo. All right, cool. Let's go to uh, London, Tottenham Spur Stadium, where the London Jaguars play the Buffalo Bills, and you have a play in this one. Yeah, this is uh, one of the totals I'm going to play this week. Um, I feel like I've actually been really good on totals, so hopefully we can keep that going. I like the under in this game uh, for a few reasons. One, I think the obvious, my usual fade, which you saw most recently uh, for me, I don't think a ton of people really watched or cared about the Jags falcons game so i don't even know if there's anything to fade there but there is something to fade with buffalo and that's them scoring almost 50 points on the dolphins i think that's gonna that's making people think and and look the bills have scored what 35 37 and 48 the last three weeks like they're putting up a ton of points um but these defenses are both really good like the bills defense is the reason that I was not never ready and everyone was ready to crown the dolphins. Like, and you know, the dolphins are the new hip thing. People like that. They're getting kind of tired of the bills. We see them every year. It's always the same thing. You know, you get kind of worn out and you want that like new hot thing, which was Miami, but the bills defense was the reason I was not ready to crown the dolphins, which is that the dolphins defense isn't very good. And the bills defense is really good. So I I don't think the bills are going to need to do what they did last week against Miami. I think they're going to play this game a lot slower. I think they're going to run the ball. I don't know that the Jags can really do anything against this Buffalo defense. The Jags haven't done anything against even like average defenses, let alone playing a defense like this. The last four Jags games in London have all gone under the total. And even the Jags defense is actually a lot better than what the Bills have faced in any of the past three weeks where they put up all those points. So I like the Bills, but I like the under a little bit more. I don't want to touch this game because it feels like a spot the Jaguars can keep this one close. And I really like their defense. Like, I think their defense could be legit. They have a bunch of young players that all should be getting better. Um, Josh Allen looks like a top, you know, 10 to 15 edge rusher in the in the league. So that kind of takes some pressure off of Trayvon Walker. I like their linebacker uh, group, even though Devin Lloyd has been injured and really underperformed his first round. Took me a second to figure grade. out what you're saying because we're talking about Bills Jags and you said Josh Allen, and then you're like, he's a great edge rusher, and I was like, Josh, he's playing both ways now. That dude, <laughs> I've always been a big fan, but like I didn't realize he was that level. Like, oh right, the other Josh Allen. Yeah, I gave him out at 150 to one to win Defensive Player of the Year preseason. That that's not going to get there, but he's playing really well. Yeah. And um, this could be, I mean, Josh Allen has been great. Probably putting himself in the MVP conversation right now. He's their now. favorite. Um, 
you mean putting himself in the conversation? He's literally the favorite. Oh, I should know that, but I don't. So thank you for informing me. Give my boy some credit. Wait a second. I'm a big Josh Allen fan too. I just think that Jaguars defense could make some plays here. So if anything, I do agree with your uh, underlook. Thanks. All right. Going to the uh, dreaded AFC North, which I have whiffed on AFC North games all year, but I'm going back to the well. I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers (laughs) plus four. You actually beat me in our heads up AFC North battle where I took the Cleveland Browns visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers as a home home, excuse me, road favorites as they visit the Pittsburgh Steelers and kind of like, the Bucks Vikings game, uh, where we are oppo on, I had no business winning. You had no business winning the Steelers Browns game. But what, what do you what are you making that face for? They didn't get it past the thirty yard line, Dan. They didn't get it past the thirty yard line. They scored two defensive touchdowns. What are you making that face for? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Okay, that's not what you were betting on. That's not <laughs> you did not bet on that. Well, Anyways, I absolutely nailed that. Couldn't have possibly <laughs> handicapped that game better than I did, dude. A win's a win. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't brag about the Bucks beating the Vikings because I knew I got a little bit lucky. And to your credit, it's not like you really threw it in my face about the Steelers Browns. It's just football. I actually forgot it about it until you said that just now. I don't even think we've talked about it since then. Yeah, well, I'm holding the grudge. Obviously, <laughs> no. Uh, this is just a perfect spot for Tomlin to rally the troops. Steelers practiced in pads this week. Uh, Tomlin on pre- in press conference, like we need to do better. We need better efficiency. That's what he's saying publicly. Privately, yeah, standard baby. Privately, I think he's. I think he's like, listen, listen. If I have a losing season this year, I'm coming back next year. A lot of you aren't. So, do you want a job or not? You know, and like this is. We got to we got to get this together. We got embarrassed by the Houston Texans rookie quarterback, rookie coach. Now, Kenny Pickett is A, played like trash, and B might not even be in this game. He's dealing with a bone bruise. He hasn't been officially ruled out, and I absolutely hate Mitchell Trubisky. I'm going to be very I'm so mad at you for talking me into Kenny Pickett. I was so anti Kenny Pickett, and I listened to you all year last year Dude, talk him up. You're I took the a biggest... couple bad beats to him, and I'm like, damn it, trust your analysis. I trust my analysis. I'm not going to overreact over the first four games of the season. Yeah, he's been trash. I think he'll figure it out and still be good. Don't, don't, you are the, we have the rule of Dan Z here, which is you don't overreact. And here you are overreacting. Yeah, it's been bad, but the team's been banged up. The offensive line has sucked. They've played good teams. It's all good. Kenny Pickett will be fine. I'd much rather have Kenny Pickett here than Mitch Trubisky, but either way, I'm powering through, baby. Dude, the underdogs and Ravens-Steelers games, it's like an auto bet. Let me just let me read you some boring trends here. So, I love boring trends. Since 2013, the Ravens have won 10 games lost 11. Against the spread, it's 10-2-1. The average margin of victory is .07 points per game for the Ravens. When either one of them is a dog versus each other by more than three and a half points, they're seven and zero against the spread. You just, you just blindly bet the underdog in this matchup, and it cashes. And I'm, I mean, that's a core. That's across what Lamar Jackson, Joe Flacco, 
Tyler Huntley, Mitch Trubisky, Big Ben. Like it's, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. It doesn't matter who's injured. This is going to be a dogfight. And what is it? Four? Four is probably too much. So I'm taking the Steelers plus four. And I'm going to feel like absolute dog shit if Mitch Trubisky's starting. I'm going to puke, but I, he probably will. I'm, I'm actually, let me, let me, let me, let me take that back. I've mentally come to grips with the fact that I'm probably getting Mitch Trubisky. So, not great. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't have any pushback or anything. I, I I'm not going to bet this game. I, I think it's. I, I don't think the Ravens are particularly great. Uh, the Steelers haven't played well. I think you know Pickett's injury is concerning you're right i'm not i certainly am not dropping money on wednesday with the chance that trubisky's gonna start um great point i don't hate actually and that's that's a good point just wait just wait i mean i'm betting the steelers anyways but like if trubisky starts you might be able to get five so yeah so i again I thought I looked at this game. I looked at the total, and it just—I no, I didn't land on anything. Yet. Welcome into the fade. I am. All right, let's talk about. I believe your... I'm saying that because I actually hate the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I have for years. But just because of where I grew up. I mean, yeah, I know they're more of a Cincinnati Bengals bully, but like, you don't you don't like the Ravens, right? Well, I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania, where there's just tons and tons of Steelers fans and uh you know by and large Steelers fans are are not enjoyable people to be around and talk football with all right let's go to another game that I have more of a lean on right now but because I might not be able to enter the Thursday night football game into my circa million picks and I want this podcast to have longer shelf life I'm going to go to another Sunday game which is in the AFC South Tennessee Titans versus the Indianapolis Colts. Um, Vrabel, on the road, in division games since having Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback, 9-0 straight up with a plus 12 straight up margin, 7-2 against the spread with a plus 9 ATS margin. That's essentially my handicap. Um, Adding to it, I think Anthony Richardson's look great, but obviously is a more run-first quarterback. And the Tennessee Titans have the best rush defense in the league. That indie offensive line's a little banged up. That Tennessee defensive line is the best unit on the team by far and away. The secondary is trash, so I think Tannehill can get some downfield shots. In fact, Indy's defense really isn't that good. So I think Derrick Henry can have uh, a second straight good game. So it's more of a lean. If I can't get the Bears into my contest, I am going to shoulder through and, and bet the Titans, but that's where I'm on in this game. I'm in the exact same spot, literally. Uh, I did not get there, but I was leaning Titans heavily uh, in my research, but I just couldn't quite pull the trigger. I also looked at the under in this game, but I just I worry too much about like Anthony Richardson, who I – you know, I think he's getting a, a ton of like Justin Fields type love, which is like all of his highlight plays are with his legs. And that's fine. That's great. It helps you win football games. But, you know, I'm already seeing pieces that are like Anthony Richardson's better than Bryce Young. The like, Panthers screwed up. Like, first of all, speaking of overreacting to four games, how many people are already crowning Stroud as the, the win of that draft? 
It's been four games, and mm-hmm. people have decided that C.J. Stroud should have been the number one pick. I love the NFL media. I really do. I mean, it's just fascinating how fast this stuff. Like, I'm not – yeah, C.J. Stroud's been great, and Houston, quite honestly, and Indianapolis coaching-wise, have allowed their rookies to do things and make mistakes, and that's helping Stroud. Bryce Young has not really had that. Um I'm not ready to say Bryce Young shouldn't have been the number one overall pick based on he's only played three games because he missed one. So I think that's hilarious. Um, I worry about with Anthony Richardson. I mean, he does make big plays, but he also could end up making a big play that goes the other direction. So that's why I ended up staying away from the total. I don't think these teams are going to go over, but I was too worried about the big plays uh, pushing this over. As far as Tennessee, I think they're a better team by a lot, but again, I just, I was so close, but I just couldn't quite get there. All right. Well, since we're going in chronological order, this is back-to-back picks for me. Houston Texans at the Atlanta Falcons. And, dude, I'm just defaulting to my my priors on this one. If you remember the AFC South and NFC South previews that we did uh, earlier this summer, I leaned towards – the Houston Texans going over their alt win total of seven and a half at two to one. And I leaned under the Falcons going under their win total, alternate win total of four and a half at I think plus 300. CJ Shroud is a much better quarterback than Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter is actually the lowest ranked quarterback on PFF. By the eyeball test, I think he's worse than Justin Fields and almost as bad as Zach Wilson. You could really take any three of them. I don't think it really matters, but the point is is Desmond Ritter is horrible, so I'm going to fade that guy. Um, and, yeah, it's kind of a sucker spot, right? Houston winning um, impressively against Pittsburgh, who has all of their issues. Falcons looking in, in embarrassing or getting embarrassed in Jacksonville and, well, excuse me, in London last week by the Jaguars. So rule of Dan Z, fade what you recently saw. But I just think this Texans seems much better than the Falcons. And then I'll take the two points here. So that's where I'm at. And the last thing here, something that you and I talked about, C.J. Stroud balled out in the stadium versus probably a better team in the Georgia Bulldogs last year. I'm just kidding. I don't really believe that. I just wanted to say that. Mm. This is a fun thing to say. It's a fun thing to say. But – he is breaking quarterback, uh, uh, rookie quarterback records. He's averaging 300 yards per game, 100.6 um, quarterback rate, and hasn't thrown an interception. Dude's balling out. Houston could be getting healthier. Could be getting Laramie Tunzel back, Denzel Perryman. I don't see how this Atlanta Falcons team gets better, and I kind of expect Houston to get better. So, Yeah, I, I landed similarly to you, which is um, my first thought was I like Houston plus the points, but – yeah, I remember my own rule, and I was like, oh, man, I feel like you're getting sucked into what seems like a clear spot for Fade, which you saw most recently. Um, this is another one where I looked at the total because Atlanta just doesn't run a modern NFL offense by any stretch of the imagination. Now, I think part of that is because Arthur Smith realizes how limited his quarterback is, but even still, his offenses have never been particularly interesting. He came from Tennessee where he's turned around and handed the ball off to Derrick Henry. 30 times a game and he's kind of doing the same thing here. They drafted Bijan Robinson uh, because he wanted a guy. He wanted a running back that he could give the ball to 30 times and he's doing it. That's fine. I mean, maybe you can win football games that way. They've obviously won two this year out of four. So, you know, for a team that you, know, you were betting under four and a half, they've got two wins 
in September. It's not exactly what you wanted to see. But at the same time, I do think the Falcons stink, and I think Arthur Smith's offense is terrible. I think Desmond Ritter's terrible. I really wanted to bet the under, but this is an interesting clash of styles where the Texans actually tend to throw the ball more than you would expect. Pass rate over expected, a stat you know we love. With a rookie quarterback, usually coaches are hesitant to do that, but Houston hasn't been. So that's what kept me off the under here because I'd love to just bet every Falcons under. I think you're going to be most likely on the right side. I mean, you're going to have your fluky things that happen. But I think the Texans might throw the ball a little bit, and that's the only thing that kind of worries me. Well, to kind of steer you back in the direction towards the under, they've had to they've had to throw the ball because they've been behind in several of those games. I mean, that's a little bit different. Yeah, with but the, that, the again, using, that's with, but with that's Pittsburgh. why you use pass rate over expected because it's like, yeah, that pass rate over expected takes into account the idea that they're supposed to pass in this situation, but they still pass more than that. Is is the point of the stat? Oh, okay, like, fair enough. They still are actually throwing the ball at a higher rate than you would expect based on like game situation and that's what makes that's what makes them so interesting especially because like i said they have a rookie quarterback and you don't typically see rookie quarterbacks getting that kind of leash from their head coach so i love what D'Amico ryan's is doing i hope to, i hope houston wins this game i think they will but again i just kind of had to follow my rule there and be like no don't don't do it i don't think there's a way you can bet this but atlanta's got a week 11 bye Desmond Ritter will not be the starting quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons by by week 12 or on week 12. It'll be Taylor like, Heineke. What are they going to do? Taylor Heineke. Yeah. You can't keep running out a guy. This guy has had less than an 80 quarterback rating in three straight games. No, I know. It's interesting. I saw somebody – I actually saw someone bring up this argument, and then the, their argument against it was Arthur Smith can't switch quarterbacks because if Taylor Heineke ends up sucking – people might actually finally start pointing the finger at him instead of always blaming his quarterback for sucking. Like at a certain point, if everyone sucks and you just keep sucking, like it might be your offense, which it might be his offense. And I don't think he wants to find that out. On one hand, Arthur Smith isn't quarterback proof. We're finding out this year that Bill Belichick isn't quarterback proof. So Arthur Smith certainly isn't quarterback proof. But in my opinion, no no one cares. Right. Like there really is no coach that is. I mean, like, let's be honest. Uh, even Andy Reid didn't like his the knock on him was like, Oh, can't win the big game. Gets Mahomes, wins a couple Super Bowls, now all of a sudden we're back on the Andy Reid train. It's like, yeah, I mean, I'm not this is not please don't take that as me saying like, Oh, Andy Reid sucks. I absolutely don't I think Andy Reid is, is excellent, but he's not quarterback proof, like you just said. It's a great term. Yeah. And I, I don't I mean if if I'm being objective, I don't really put this offense's limitations on Arthur Smith. I put it on their shitty quarterbacks. I think he could be all right. I'm, I, I have no opinion on Arthur Smith one way or the other. I, I think he, this offense sucks because of the quarterback. That's it. That, that's pretty much my read on that one. Um, moving along though, this could be an explosive game, but you're thinking maybe not. Kansas City Chiefs at the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I, I I think this total is way too high, man. Like, I really just think this I, – I honestly think this is one of those games where there's just not even – you don't even need a lot of analysis. I think the if you just think about your average Joe and just betters in general, how many people are going to the window betting the under on Chiefs-Vikings? You've got Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. You've got 
Cousins, the Minnesota defense isn't very good. Cousins is, you know, he, threw, he was on pace at one point for 6,000 yards and 60 touchdowns, Justin Jefferson. And I think that's really blurring the lines here. I think people are just getting the ideas, like how would this game possibly go under? But I did find some interesting trends that I think you're going to like a lot, which is, first of all, these teams have played a combined eight games, and only one of those eight has gone over 52 points out of, between the two teams. Chiefs have not played a game that went over 52 points. The last five Chiefs games where the total was at 50-plus all went under. Um, both these teams are actually playing more to the under this year, three to five, three and five to the under combined. Uh, one of the Chiefs overs was against the Jets last week where it, the total was 41 and a half and kind of some fluky stuff got it to the over the that weird safety and then the Jets getting a two-point conversion like some weird stuff happened but even still like they went over at 43 Chiefs games don't ever have totals you know in the low 40s so I, this is one of those picks that could go horribly wrong these offenses could easily come out and just start firing the ball all over the field and I'm gonna look like an idiot I just don't think so I think this game is going to be closer than people think. I don't think either team is going to be trailing it big at any point. The spread's only four points. You might think that the Chiefs would be huge favorites over the Vikings. They're not. It's four points. So I don't think there's going to be any situation where a team totally gives up on trying to control the pace a little bit. You know, the Chiefs had scored 41 points against the Bears, but the Bears have the second-worst defense in the league ahead of only Denver. And... Otherwise, like the Chiefs really haven't done that much this year. I think Mahomes is really missing not having anyone to throw the ball to outside of Travis Kelsey. And as good as Kelsey is, they just don't have anyone that you're afraid of down the field, especially. And I think it's hurt them. So, yeah, I'm 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 going to hold my nose and take the under. Well, you're a braver man than me because I want nothing to do with this game. You know, it looks like it's at around 52, 52 and a half, depending on where you're shopping. So best of luck to you guys if you uh, follow Dan on that one. I would take the Vikings too. Another one that I like. I just, I just think that that game has, it could go so many different ways. It could. I think it's going to be a drunk game. You know, like we've we've seen the Vikings just be dead for a full half and just come come to life out of nowhere. We've seen the same out of the Chiefs. Isn't Patrick Mahomes the only quarterback with a winning record down double digits? I wouldn't be. That's that's the pushback that I have. Uh, one of your points uh, for one of your points is you don't think either team will go up or down big in this one. And I, I I am not convinced of that at all. And if it gets lopsided one way or the other, you're you know this. Your total is screwed because Cousins is chucking from behind, and Justin Jefferson's going to rip apart that secondary almost regardless. And I hear what you're saying about Mahomes. I kind of agree, but like, if they're down a couple of scores, he's airing it out, and you don't feel good about having an under in that situation. You want to go up on a total? I do not. I just okay. said. I literally said that I had one nothing to do with this game. Yeah, but like, then you talked a ton of shit on my pick, so it's like you know, put your money where your mouth is, bro. I didn't talk that much shit. Don't be, don't be emotional. Talked quite a bit of shit. Do you have a pick in the Bengals Cardinals? Because I do. Uh yeah, I do. Okay. I am probably going to regret this significantly because of how many times they've burned me, but like I just I, I don't know how many times I can say it out loud, but I'm gonna say it again. Like the Bengals can't be this bad. They just they just can't be this bad. Like that's 
They just can't. Like, I don't even know what other analysis to give. They just can't be this bad. The preseason line was seven and a half. The last, the look ahead line last week was seven. This thing moved four points. Thanks to the results from this past weekend. Like if that's not a fade, which you saw most recently spot, I don't know what is. Yeah. You know, the New York Giants have scored 15 points in in three of their games this season and scored 31 against the Cardinals. Cardinals Cardinals aren't good. They're not. In the second half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much it all came out. Most of it came it's in the second half. It's actually crazy. The Giants have scored more points in the second half against the Cardinals than all of their other halves combined. Yep. Yeah, to your point, this is an ultimate buy-low spot for... For Wait, double, right? You said they've scored 15 points total in their other games? More than double, 31 against the Cardinals. So they scored twice as many points in the second half against the Cardinals as they have scored in their all other halves combined, which is, that's a wild statistic. By yeah, right? Isn't it? Um, yeah, I, the Cardinals have been frisky this year. Um, they're actually very good against the spread because of how Vegas and everybody else was down on them. They covered the first three games before last week when uh, San Francisco blew him out. And even that game wasn't really a blowout till late. The Cardinals were only down five uh, in the second half. So they had a chance to cover for the fourth week in a row. But again, I think that's helping skew this line down. Like I just, in what world are the Cardinals less than a touchdown worse than the Bengals? Like I just, I I have a real hard time seeing that. Yeah. And And I wrote this up too. This is a great spot where the Bengals' biggest weakness is their offensive line with Joe Burrow especially being immobile. Cardinals' pass rush is bad. Like it's one of the worst. They they are one of the worst at generating pressure in the league. So the one ba- the Bengals, I shouldn't say the one weakness. The Bengals have some weaknesses, but their main weakness is offensive line and and immobile Joe Burrow and that's mitigated uh, a good amount by their opponent this week. So I think that is the other thing that drew me to the Bengals, but God, I'm going to be so upset when they kill me again. Yeah. Agreed. I'm, I mean, I'm on the Bengals as well. Minus three for all the reasons you already gave ultimate by low spot. I think we're selling high on the Cardinals. The pre, uh, the look ahead line movement suggests that much. Uh, the other note that I have here is Cincinnati defensive coordinator, Lou Anarumo is one of the best defensive, uh, whizzes in the NFL. And there's enough game film here on, on Dobbs and the Arizona Cardinals where I think he could shut them down. And, I mean, this is this is the Bengals' season. They're 0-2 in the division right now. They don't they don't beat the Cardinals, and they move to a 1-4 in the season. They're not they're not running down the the Browns, Ravens, and if the Steelers win, the Steelers all three of which would have winning records. So. I love the Bengals here. I'm I'm with you in the sense that man, I feel stupid. This feels square, and I'm gonna feel real dumb if the Bengals lost. Apparently, according to PFF and pregame, more money is on the Cardinals. So it's not that square to be taking the Bengals. I'm I'm I'm, I'm I riding. mean, who? What crazy person is betting on the Bengals right now? Yeah, I mean. I guess we're getting on the same side as the the sports books, you know. Public dogs get slaughtered. That's what I'm hoping here, and I just hope the Bengals they get should. off the mat. They, they should. I thought it was interesting uh, this week when a reporter asked Zach Taylor if Joe Burrow was going to start Sunday, and he literally like kind of laughed, like 
yeah, he's going to st- like who who else is going to start at quarterback for our team? Like, what are you talking about? Essentially, yeah, dude. Yeah, it's it's but, it's an all it's going to be an all in game for the Bengals. I'm with you there. Uh, moving along, another four o'clock Eastern window game that I like is the Philadelphia Eagles at the Los Angeles Rams. I keep betting the Rams, and I'm going to bet them again here. Uh, they're getting Cooper Cup back. He's got to be worth at least one to the to the to the power. Are rating. they? I think so. Right. Uh, he's been activated off of IR. No, he's been designated to return off of IR. He has not been activated off IR. There's a difference. There's absolutely a difference. They have 21 days to take him off of IR at this point. He could theoretically remain on IR for another three weeks. Never mind that point. These teams are neck and neck and <laughs> net EPA, net yards per play, pressure rate, and success rate. These teams are pretty much equal. It's just the Eagles came into the season with such a high approval rating and power rating by the market. The Rams so low. And eventually they're going to catch up to each other as long as the Rams can stay healthy. But I like the Rams in the spot because based on the metrics – they're pretty much the same team, except the Rams have played the third toughest schedule. Philly's played the 20th toughest schedule. I actually think the Rams are the best quarterback in the NFC, besides maybe Brock Purdy, which still kind of breaks my brain. Um, Sean McVay, I'll take him over Nick Sirianni. And three of the Philadelphia's four wins have been within one score. They're flying a little close to the sun. They're going to they're gonna lose one of these games, and... I'm taking the Rams outright, but for the contest, for my official pick here, I'll go plus four. Yeah, I had a feeling you'd be on the Rams here. Um, Do you want to fade me? No, no, no. No, if I were going to be on the side, I would also be on the Rams. Again, I just, like, they're a team that I'm, I kind of like, like you. So I was like, um, is my bias kicking in here? But I don't know. The Eagles haven't been super impressive this season. And, uh Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I would have bet the Rams if I were betting this game. I just, again, it was another one that as I looked it through and looked at the total and looked at everything, it was like, eh, not quite there. Yeah, that kind of reminds me about the Texans-Falcons game where it's kind of like, am I overreacting to the recent performances? Like, no. Like, in the in the preseason, I thought the Texans were going to be good and I thought the Falcons were going to suck. And, like, now I'm talking my, or I was talking myself out of it earlier this week, and I was like, you know what? No, screw that. Like the Texans are a better team, the Falcons. I believe that. Maybe it's a bad spot, and that's how football works. Maybe I'll lose, and you know, maybe. Uh, well, the Eagles could just beat the crap out of the Rams because they're offensive line, but still, I like the Rams. I liked them coming into the season. I thought the Eagles are regressed, so I'm just going to power through, take the points of the Rams. Uh, Monday Night Football. Right, Monday Night Football, Green Bay Packers at the Las Vegas Raiders. You got action in this one. I do. I'm going to take the Packers here. Um, oh, I was. Man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I was. Uh, I was struggling to find. I, I really wanted to start doing five bets. I've had better weeks when I've done five than when I've done four. And I, I just. I literally was kind of scraping to get to four, and definitely couldn't get to five. Um, but the Packers are the last add to my card. I. I I'm going to be honest, like, I don't love this play out of me, but Mm. there was enough there. I mean, again, fade, which you saw most recently. Last time we saw the Packers, they got absolutely trounced on Thursday night football. The score 
did not indicate what that game was where the Lambeau faithful was booing the Packers, which you almost never see. They looked horrible, but now they're essentially on a bye week. Like they played on Thursday and don't play again until Monday. And then they have a bye coming up this week. The schedule makers like must really, really like the Packers because to go from a Thursday night game to a Monday night game to a bye week is is super beneficial to a team like Green Bay, which is trying to get healthy. Christian Watson finally came back. Aaron Jones finally came back, but they both were kind of limited snaps wise. I don't think they're going to be super limited here. They've had 11 days to get healthy. They have a bye week coming up. So even if, you know, they, they have time to rest. So I think it's going to be full go for the Packers best players. Jordan Love is playing well enough to win. The Green Bay Packers offensive line has pass blocked extremely well. They're in the top five in pass blocking and virtually by basically anyone's metric. Their pass blocking has been really good. Um, The Raiders, I think, suck. And I think Josh McDaniels really sucks. So I I think LaFleur, given an extra four days over Josh McDaniels, is a massive advantage. Um, That's kind of where I... Kind of where I landed on that. Love it. I was thinking about, sorry, I was uh, I was looking up that thing you asked me about or you mentioned earlier about did overtime games. I did. So favorites playing on Thursday Night Football following an overtime game, 4-11 and 11 against the spread, minus 6 ATS. Yeah. They're losing, they're 7-8 and eight straight up. You riding with the Bears? We riding with the Bears tomorrow? I definitely am. Let's do it, baby. And This is a super strong play because you really don't like Justin Fields as a quarterback. So you betting him and backing him here is like like you like the spot. You're in. I bet him last week, too. That's true. I told you, it was kind of the best of both worlds, which was like I bet him last week thinking like it would turn, but then they lost in such hilarious fashion that actually they're still a little bit like it's, it's now maybe even a better spot because they're owing for like fade, which you saw most recently is they lost, they covered. Yeah. Most people don't care about that. Like the general public doesn't care about that. They know that the bears lost again in hilarious fashion by blowing a three touchdown second half lead to Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Hilarious. I didn't want to get too bogged down by this. And this is very narrative Phil. But I think I think Chase Claypool's addition by subtraction. Oh, I totally. hate that kid. <laughs> like yeah, I do sure. think He's the offense. I do think the offense could be better without him. You I know? made this point about Mike Tomlin. Like he might not. Like I, I think he's a little bit of a dinosaur in like game planning and all that, and continuing to employ Matt Canada, who's got kind of that. Like I think Tomlin would benefit from surrounding himself with some more. Uh, He's the finest Shanahan. Yeah, like I think he would benefit greatly from a little bit like forward thinking uh, coordinators. But as far as managing personalities go, you could make the case that Mike Tomlin is the greatest of all time. Yeah. Like the fact that he, first of all, had a team. We had no idea how absolutely insane both Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown were when they were with the Steelers. Like, virtually nothing came out about them or any, but like there wasn't much. If you go back and look like maybe on bell and Antonio Brown were normal human beings. I mean, at least under Mike Tomlin. And then they left and lady on bell is now boxing and doing whatever the hell rapping and doing whatever the hell he's doing. Antonio Brown. I feel bad for the guy. Cause I legitimately think there might be something wrong with him um, in his brain. But 
at the same time, like Tomlin managed those two with Ben Roethlisberger, Chase Claypool. We didn't realize what a basket case he was while he was in Pittsburgh. Now it's become abundantly clear. It's just, it's crazy that he's managed these guys on his team and we don't realize how crazy they are until they leave. Dude, people were down on Mike Tomlin a few years ago and I was making they are this right point. Now. Yeah, actually, I, they are right now. I was making this point. I was like, you guys don't, I don't think people understand just how in control of the locker room, how buttoned up he is on that. And that that's a whole aspect of like organization building that people, I don't think, factor in when they say, oh, fire the coach, fire the coach. And it's like, that was my whole thing with like Doc Rivers. I know you're not a basketball guy and people always like hate on Doc Rivers, but it's kind of like when he steps into the locker room, people respect him. Like that, that counts for something. That counts for something. And you could say that obviously is true with Mike Tomlin. It's like they, 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 they listen to him. They, they, you know what I mean? Like they value, like he can discipline his players. He can't. And like most coaches really can't. So I'm with you, dude. And, I love that. I love that have, point. And he has some fun. Like he's just, he seems just like, like a guy's guy. And I yeah. think especially, and he treats his, his players like they are, they're professional athletes. And mm. that is hard for a lot of people. And that's, you know, you'll get coaches who are really good at either the X's and O's or they have an innovative offense, but like cannot manage a locker room. And again, I, I do think Tomlin would benefit from, updating his philosophy a little bit because he's been around a long time and that's kind of you know it's hard if you're mike tomlin to go away from it because it's like dude i've never had a losing season you want me to go away from my system why would i do that and i get it but also like guys have down years like people who are calling for mike tomlin to be fired it's like they might have a losing season for the first time in like 17 years he, he's not allowed to have one losing season they traded the Broncos traded a first round pick for Sean Payton. He had plenty of losing seasons. So like, what are we talking about? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you, dude. And, and he's a Super Bowl champion. So it's like, you know, I, I think that this is just the way it goes. Like I, and they're two and two, like they might, they might not have a losing season. They actually might not. And they might not. And that's <laughs> the other thing. I, and if they don't like, it'll be like, that was part of me taking their over and saying that I thought they had a chance to make the playoffs. Like Tomlin just, He's really good at getting the most out of his talent. He's really exceptional at managing personalities, locker rooms. And, you know, but like I was just going to make the point, too. Like, I'm seeing Fire Belichick, you know, trending on Twitter on Sunday. So it's like, I think this is just kind of the way, like, fans, the only move you can really make in season is to fire your coach when things are going, right? Like, you could bench the quarterback, but now you're going to a backup quarterback. Doesn't really help. Like, the only cataclysmic change you can make once the season starts you could fire your head coach and i think fans latch on to that because it's like the one thing you can control i also think fans and media kind of bullshit to themselves and think you know i can make the right decision if i was if i was given the playbook like if you gave me the madden screen i would pick the right play where they don't fool themselves about being quarterback like they know they couldn't do that they know they'd be like Oh, I can make that throw. Like, no, like no rational human actually believes that. But some rational humans and like even experienced media members, like if they gave me a shot, I could coach up a win. It's like, no, you probably probably couldn't. You couldn't get your team prepared. Don't think like that. So, like, I think when I could be a GM. <laughs> all right, when it, but when a team starts to struggle, like that's the that's the lowest hanging fruit. It's like, I'll oh, fire the coach. It'll be better. Yeah, no, I. I 
I totally agree with that. Also, organizational stability is huge. Part of the reason that Pittsburgh and New England have been great for years is like having the same guy is a good thing. Like this idea, like what team do you know recycles coaches and has success? Like it doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, when Tomlin walks in the locker room and like disciplines the players, they take it seriously because like I'm going to be here next year. <laughs> like I'm going to be here. Like you guys want a job or not? Like I am the Steelers, bro. <laughs> yeah, like, like they've had three I coaches am. in 50 years. I'm not yeah, going anywhere. I'm, you guys better figure this out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the last thing about Tomlin, I read that um when when they first signed AB uh the Steelers cuz AB had a just an awful upbringing. Like I I think he was homeless and like eighth grade ninth grade yeah, that and all Tom, makes sense it tracks tom will like sat him down i was like i've been through everything you've been through don't pull any bullshit with me <laughs> like like you want to you want to be a professional i i'm gonna teach you how to be a professional like but you know like don't pull any bullshit with me because everything you've done everything you've seen all the hardship you've dealt with i've dealt with too and like obviously there, there's a racial component where it's just like tom on that strong black dude is like Listen to me, bro. <laughs> like, I you mean, Todd Bowles to couldn't get Antonio Brown to get his shit together. God, I, I kind of think he was a lost cause at that maybe, point. But still, and I do think like this is getting maybe too far in the weeds. I didn't think he kind of looked up to Tomlin as like a dad figure. He's like, yeah, you know, who knows? Who knows? But Steelers plus whatever four. Whatever it is, it works. That's the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tomlin is. Tomlin's. And you know what? Honestly, he probably. In order to be that good at managing a locker room, you have to be different things to different people. Maybe he was that for Antonio Brown. Maybe some other guys, most other guys, probably didn't need that. And he was what he needed to be with those guys. Like that's what that's what's tough about being a leader in general is understanding your personnel and that each one of them is a different person, and then managing everyone differently because everyone just wants like. You know, we, we relate football a lot of times to like the military and it's like the military really like a general just like give like military people are trained just you know frame of mind like straight ahead simple goal yeah. and you think football is that way but it's not because you're dealing with people who are making a lot more money and then other guys who aren't making as much like there's just so much more goes into and there's so much more glory and there's so much more fame that comes along with it like a lot goes in a lot more goes into like these professional teams so I think that that makes sense to me, but I bet Tomlin isn't like a dad figure to everybody on the team. He doesn't need to be. And he knows yeah. that like this dude, Ben Roethlisberger didn't need a dad. He needed someone to keep him out of strip clubs. Yeah. He probably didn't Tomlin say almost pulled off. <laughs> yeah. He probably didn't say anything to TJ Watt. Supposedly when TJ Watt was, was him and his agent and Pittsburgh front officers going over his extension. He ditched the agent, walked into the, the Rooney's office. Like I accept the deal. And then went downstairs and worked out. Tomlin doesn't have to motivate TJ Watt at all. He doesn't say anything to him. You know what no, I mean? But like, I, I don't, I don't know. I was gonna say for an example, like at a Minka Fitzpatrick, maybe he's like, "Yo, dude, come on, you need some more reps. Like, you're lapsing in coverage, dog. Like, we need you, we need you studying more game film." I, and for example, I have no idea about Fitzpatrick's work ethic or anything. I'm just saying, it's good. I don't know why you brought him up. Couldn't think of another white guy. <laughs> All right, where That's can people funny. find you? Uh, I don't want them to find me after this conversation. <laughs> it was either him or Patrick Peterson. What was I going to say? 
Uh, yeah, you can find me, you know, outkick.com at Real Dan Zach. All right. Well, let's get over to the Bark and Dog segment with the homie Scott Martin. River. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. The Bark and Dog segment is back. I got Fox Business and News contributor Scott Martin here on the line with me, a.k.a. Scotty Markets. This dude is on fire. Another two-in-one week. In week four, his season record is up to eight and four. This guy's stat and public betting model is just scorching right now. Scott, you here to make us some more money or what? I am, Jeff, and you sounded a little rabid in that barking segment there earlier, that barking uh, tutelage. But I'll tell you, man, it, it feels good to be eight and four after week four in the NFL on the barking dog segment, just looking at public lines public liens public money capital flows in the markets which i use on some of my investment models as we know in kind of my day job and it's funny jeff just looking at how things have panned out so far in the nfl it's been a minefield man there's been a ton of barking dogs that have been great that we've talked about on the pod and there's been some that we haven't hit on the pod that have been great some that have been awful to be fair but there's been a really fun i think matriculation maturation of where the nfl seems to be going this year when it comes to what spreads are doing, where public is aligning, and what we're figuring out about these teams, man, that we knew already because of the data that we analyzed that took us to, to bet on these teams when nobody wanted to, henceforth, the barking dogs. Yeah, dude, positioning yourself with the sports book and against the public is the best spot to be in as a gambler. So I love your contrarian mindset. I love that you infuse some stats and analysis. Um, I don't know what your computer has in store for week five. Why don't you tell us? Week five looks like a wild week. I will tell you that first and foremost. A lot of dogs out there, as we mentioned, rabid dogs. Dogs that seems like they've been maybe hit by a few cars and run over again or run over twice. And dogs just frankly getting getting the checkup at the old veterinarian center and hopefully being okay. But I'll tell you that the first dog of the day, as it were, and it was funny about the dog segment uh, this this week, Jeff, is we got all late game dogs this week. So that's what's really funny. None of these games are going to be at, say, the 1 o'clock Eastern uh, time slot. They're all going to be the 4 p.m. and plus Eastern time slots. And so we're looking at three dogs in the uh, segment there when it comes to the uh, second round of games on, on Sunday. So if you're 
feeling the pod, following the pod, listening to us. Hey, take take a little sleep in. Take a little extra sleep in the morning on Sunday, and don't worry about the dogs early. We're looking at dogs late. First dog late, Jeff, this week. Let me yes. push back on that. Your trip, and I will be up at 6.30 Pacific Standard Time watching the Jaguars-Bills. And oh I will find Jeff. a way to bet that game, even though I'm not going to pick that game or haven't picked that game in the podcast. You won't be, yeah. And you know what? You are a Jaguars fan, as as you always say, Jaguars. So I love that too. But you know what? You were on the Jags last week too, which was a big prompt because they smoked the Falcons, which was a dog, by the way. The Falcons would have been a bet uh, for the segment, and we didn't do that, obviously. But man, the Falcons got absolutely run, and the Jaguars don't look too bad. And that's another interesting uh, game this week that we can talk about. But my game to start off, my friend, is the L.A. Rams at home at SoFi, back back home, back comfortable, back feeling it maybe a little bit here. And also feeling kind of, I, I think, like we've got some little momo going with the L.A. Rams. Because <laughs> of the fact we've got the Eagles coming in here, 4-0, and can do no wrong. Yes, they struggled with the Commanders. Yes, there was some difficulty there. The commanders came back late. Sam Howell's unbelievable Washington Commanders uh, QB. But listen, Philly, believe me, doesn't have a ton of holes in it. But I think they show that they do have some holes in the team. And the public doesn't seem to be recognizing that exactly, especially on, I think, defense when they were pursued and pressured by Howell to kind of push the ball down the field. And they gave up quite a bit of yardage there, especially in the fourth quarter. And I just like where the Rams are here, Jeff. Two points. One is the public's already written them off. The public has already said the Rams are done. Cooper Cup's been out. Stafford doesn't have it this year. Yada, yada, yada. Jalen Hurts looks too good. Jandre Swift, amazing. A.J. Brown basically has proven he can do whatever he wants in the football football field to whomever he wants as far as who's covering him. And I just think this is one of those setups where the Rams come home. We've got a heavy public favorite on on, on Philly. The, the, the spread roughly, depending on where you're getting it, you look at points bet, you look at DraftKings, you got the Rams getting four at home. You've got a big crowd coming in there. Yes, there'll be some Philly fans, but this is your NFC matchup pretty much of the week, in my opinion, when it comes to where this could shake out the hierarchy and the NFC going forward. And it's a big statement game for the Rams. You've got Stafford looking gimpy, looking like, a, a, say, an injured dog that maybe got hit by a motorcycle or maybe a sedan <laughs> over the course of the last couple of weeks. But getting better, back to health, getting him back in, into some treatment. And Jalen Hurts is running around the middle of the street, dancing in front of cars like it's no big deal. So this is a Rams team that looks like it's going to step up for me on Sunday. I like the plus points. I love the fact that the line hasn't moved very much on this one as public has gotten more favorable on Philly. And so, therefore, I'm taking the Rams twice on Sunday if I can, maybe even the money line, just because of the fact we have an ability to really get, I think, some advantage from points and from a home dog being uh, at least not, say, in favor of the public line here. Well, you and I agree on a game every single week, and that game cashes every single week, and we have agreement here. I love the Rams plus four, um, as I already talked about with Dan Z. I think the Rams have a coach and quarterback edge in this matchup. I don't look as many – I don't have a model like you do, um, but I look at numbers. I got my own stuff, and these teams are neck and neck. The only thing that's a big difference between them is that the Rams have played the third hardest schedule and the Eagles have played the 20th hardest schedule. Three of the Phillies' wins have been um, one-score games, so they're flying a little close to the sun. I think anyone – who watches the NFL week in, week out, could tell you this isn't as good of a Philly team as it was last year. And everyone's starting to come to grips with the fact that they were wrong about the Rams preseason. People were talking about the Rams as a tanking team. Sean McVay 
re-signed, re-extended with the Rams, pretty much saying like, no, 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 I'm not going to TV. I'm committed to this team. I think this team has a chance to win. And if you don't think Cooper Cup is worth a point in the power ratings for the for the Rams, you're tripping. You see, you see what Matt Stafford's doing with this kid Puka Nakua. Kid's balling out. I he, love Puka. Yeah, I, I love he, me some Puka. I think he's second in the offensive uh, rookie of the year um, odds behind C.J. Stroud, which he's not going to catch. But that not. is a legit one-two wide receiver tandem. Cooper Cup set records as the offensive player of the year in 2021. So you have full agreement with me on the Rams plus four. That's one of the barking dogs that I'm on as well. Woof. And Jeff, sometimes I want to call you Puka on this podcast. So I'm glad you said it first because now it's open season. You mentioned the stats, though, my man. Like, look (laughs) at the stats of the Rams versus the Eagles here. And I like the animal better, by the way, the Ram better than the Eagle here, just because I know that sounds unpatriotic. I'm just saying it's a stronger animal. It seems like if they were going to get into battle, which is exactly what you talked about. Let's battle the stats here. Total yards per game. Rams are ahead of the Eagles. it's It's a small margin, 10, 15 yards per game. Yards passing, they're ahead by over 60. Yards rushing, a little bit better from the Eagles. DeAndre Swift been amazing this year. That's right. But then if you look at yards allowed, same deal. Yards allowed on the Rams side. When they played a tougher schedule, dude, you pointed that out exactly. Tougher schedule with a couple games on the road that were pretty tough. I mean, that Indianapolis game looked like a cakewalk. We talked about Indy last week. I'll tell you what, that was a crazy comeback that probably they just let off the gas pedal too early. That game at Cincy was ridiculous. They should have won that Monday night game. And then they played at home against San Francisco as well. And then they, of course, had Seattle to open the uh, year where they won at Seattle. So they've been away from home most of the year. They've given up less yardage than, say, uh, Philly has on defense against a much tougher opponent strike streak or schedule. And the offense looks better, actually, if you look at it yard by yard, dollar for dollar. So this looks like a weird one to me. I wish the spread wasn't so high because it does feel like it's a little bit too easy. But I think it's there to kind of give the public maybe a little bit more of a thought process here of just watching the line and seeing what's going to happen, which has not moved so far. If you look at some of the places we talk about where we put these wagers, but it just looks like a great setup for the Rams to step up here and maybe try to assert some uh, confidence in the, in, the, in, in the NFC as far as the conference goes, where they go in the hierarchy there. Yeah, and infuse some questions about who the top teams are in the NFC. There's a tier the One? 49er, <laughs> yeah. Eagle, right. Cowboy tier, and then everyone else. And the Rams are saying, like, well, wait a second. We won the Super Bowl two years ago. I truly believe they have the best quarterback in the NFC, and they have a proven head coach. So they're raising their hand like, yo, what about us? Look at us. So, again, full agreement on the Rams plus four. What else uh, do you have for our, for some barking dogs? Yeah, so we got, again, a great slate. And I'll tell you one that doesn't feel great because we've been on this team – the other side of it, we've been against this team a couple times, and um, we're going on the other side of it now because we've been on the, the, the team they're playing on, on their side. So if that makes any sense, it didn't make any to me. But the point is, <laughs> Bengals, Bengals at Arizona, man. Yeah, we both were on the Arizona Titans Cardinals last week. Team. And yes. that was what we call in the business a rocking chair cover. Piece of cake. I mean, an absolute dog that was that was basically on its deathbed uh, that, that just rose up and did everything for us in Tennessee. That was an easy one, man. I mean, that was one uh, money line and spread that was just great and, and, and heavy. Remember, I mean, the big thing about them last week, Jeff, about picking against the Bengals being for the Titans, which is similar to this pick, everybody and their mother and their grandmother and maybe even their stepfather was on the Bengals last week. I mean, that was like this big money night win that they had against our, our forsaken Rams. And they came back and go to Titan, uh, go to Tennessee and get absolutely smoked. So this one's similar, man. I mean, this is a setup from the Bengals. 
at the Cardinals, where you have the Cardinals that are coming in, let's say, somewhat interesting. Let's put it that way, as far as the public seems to perceive them. And it's it's a setup where the Bengals are, are, are absolutely that, that, that dog that has rabies, maybe distemper. Something is wrong with the Bengals, no doubt. I mean, both teams are coming in at one and three. But there's just a lot of things going on here when it comes to the Bengals that just feel like they're about to turn. Because if guess what? If they don't turn this week, and even with the heavy public favorite on the Cardinals, then you got a real problem in Cincinnati. Don't get me wrong. But if you just look at the stats and look at where some of the line movement has been, and you look at where some of the money movement has been coming in on the Bengals, it just feels like things are starting to go. Um, I think, let's say, just say more towards the Bengals on this one as far as even that public fade. So I'm seeing the uh, Bengals getting or giving rather about minus three on some sites, maybe minus three and a half. It started off a lot higher, obviously, as money came in on the Cardinals that pushed that down. But I'm just looking at the Cardinals, man, and thinking that this is a down spot for them. This is too easy of a bet, I believe, for the public to make. This is one of those setups when you go to the window and you're like, hey, what's the spread on the Cardinals-Bengals game? And most people are going to think it's a pick em. They might think, oh, my gosh, you know, maybe there's that home team advantage, as you've talked about, Jeff, maybe that three points, two and a half points to the Cardinals that they would be covering, maybe minus two and a half, maybe minus three, just because of the home team. Because they're about an even team, I think, give or take. Um, and guess what? The Bengals are giving three in, in, in large part. So you're looking at the Bengals against the Cardinals here, against a team that the public clearly thinks is either as good or better than Cincinnati. And for right, frankly so, we've seen some embarrassing, embarrassing positions and, and, and portrayals out of the Bengals as far as their offense and defense. But again, Burrow gets another week to kind of feel better, <laughs> maybe some more cortisone, maybe some more uh, massages, whatever they can give him to, to make him feel better. And will allow, I think, Burrow and the offense to finally get it going. And I've seen it happen in Arizona before where they've given up some of those big quarters. We've seen that against the Giants and some of the other teams they played, uh, Dallas as well, where there's just some points where, even against San Francisco last week, there's just some points where the Colonels seem to break down a little bit, Jeff. They get a little immature. They get a little bit ahead of themselves, get a little bit wishy-washy. And I think the Bengals come in on Sunday, again, a late slate game. So the Bengals come in on Sunday and come in that late slate and pick this one up and take this one to the house for us. There's another game we have agreement on, dude. Um, I'm taking the Bengals minus three. I already talked about it with Dan Z. Ultimately, this is a buy low spot for the Cincinnati Bengals, and we are seeing an, a market overcorrection um, on the Cardinals. A lot of people are feeling dumb about being so down on the Cardinals, and they're like, well, wait a second, Cardinals, Cardinals are actually feisty, three and one against the spread. And they could have actually snuck in the back door last week against the Niners, right? But like you said, they are undisciplined. The New York Giants put up 31 against them, and then they put up 15. The the 15 in the other three games they played, the New York Giants did. So this Cardinals team can be picked apart. Whether or not Burrow is healthy enough to do it, we'll see. But there's also a bunch of game film on Josh Dobbs. Cincinnati's defensive coordinator is one of the best in the business, and I think he can slow down Josh Dobbs because Josh Dobbs wasn't even a starter before this season. So you're we're on the same page with this one as well, but not a barking dog. Actually, we got a public dog we're looking to kill on the other end with the Cardinals. So that's fair. That's fair. And, and so far, let's call it. Yeah, that's true. And that's the other weird thing too is like. It feels like the Bengals are kind of a dog here in a way. And, and the other funny thing, too, Jeff, about the Bengals versus Arizona is the Bengals have scored 49 points this year, okay? We're talking in four weeks, man. I mean, the Bengals' offense, hello? Like, the Bengals' offense that has T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, like, 
they're going to, the offensive coordinators and and the offensive team themselves, the gel, the nucleus is going to figure it out here sooner or later because they know their backs are against the wall. They've got a lot more to lose if they lose this game than Arizona does. Season's over. That's right. Season's over, dude. And then you know what you maybe do? Maybe you shut down Burrow. Maybe you have him sit for a while. I promise you, come Sunday afternoon, the Bengals know that. We know this. Our listeners now know this. They're going to have a plan if Burrow comes out, gets gimpy, gets hit, whatever goes on. If he starts to lose his mind, lose his confidence, lose his body, whatever goes down in his mind when that happens. And it seemingly has already, obviously, in four games this year, except for maybe even last. I mean, gosh, even the, even the game against the Rams that they barely won, that was a tough game for them to win almost. The point being is that the Bengals are here to show up, I believe, against that whole public favorite and this whole hippy-dippy team that is the Cardinals. And I think that happens on Sunday. And it's something, too, that you've still got enough of a small spread there at three that that's an easy cover if they can keep even this game close and just kick a field goal at the end. Maybe I'll buy that down to two and a half or so, see if it moves down to two and a half because I think the public is going to keep hammering the, the Arizona Cardinals on this one. And then we'll see what happens when we when we kick off. But I believe the Bengals in this one. Yeah, this is a Bengals burn the boats game. Like Burrow's probably going to the coaching staff is like the only way you pull me early is off of a, is on a stretcher. Like we got to win this game. This is a must win. They're already zero and two in the division. They lose this one. Season's over. So I I expect them to get off the mat and beat the Cardinals and cover the three. I'm with you there. All right. I hope your last one's a dog. That way we can keep this the bark and dog segment, or else we're gonna have to call it Scotty Market Sharps. Well, yes, and, and here's the thing, just quick on the Cincinnati-Arizona, is I still oh. have it a public dog just on some of my numbers because most of the public I have is still on, you know, the, the, the kind of synthesis of data I get is from various places, and I still have a lot of public on Arizona. So, yes, while Cincinnati is favored by three, there's still the public dog in the sense of most of the public money so far, to my records and my research, says that most of it's on Arizona. No, but I dude, do have an official, yes. The, the, the dog segment still holds up here. We're either murdering the public dog, which we're doing here with the Cardinals, or we're back in the ugly dog no one likes. So we're, we're on the same page here. I, I like it. And maybe the public dog there is more of a German shepherd or something, which actually tried to bite me in the park about two days ago, but that's neither here nor there. Um, here's the thing, man. The last public dog that we have, both in public and spread, which is just absolutely killing me to mention, I almost just threw up in my mouth. We're taking the Minnesota Vikings or Vikings on uh, Sunday, man. The second half, again, a late game, which is exciting. In Minneapolis, the Vikings hosting the Kansas City Taylor Swift Chiefs. And here's the thing. She's going to be there, I'm sure. Minnesota is going to be enthralled. It's going to be the most amazing thing. Maybe she'll give an, a concert at halftime. I don't really care. You've got a ton of money pouring in already, Jeff, on the Kansas City Chiefs because of just the embarrassment, obviously, that the Chiefs have. Not been, I guess, so far besides the Taylor Swift setup. But the fact that that team, to me, has not been that exciting. There's not about a lot of things with the Chiefs this year that have been that great to me as far as when I've just looked at them for as far as the eye test. And there has been a ton of things on the Minnesota Vikings side of things that have been terrible as far as the eye test. And so it's one of those setups where you've got the Chiefs coming into Minnesota. You've got home field advantage in Minnesota. There's a lot of Chiefs fans that will come up there. Don't get me wrong. Could be a split force. But, man, the money is pouring in on the Chiefs. It's four and a half, give or take, depending on your favorite site. It'll probably go to five by kick. But you've just got a team in Minnesota that's similar to our friends in L.A. at the Rams side of things. And frankly, similar to our friends. Oh, my gosh, another dog. It's a Cincinnati that I know is favored, but public dog. Backs against the wall, man. 
I mean, this is AFC NFC. It's Minnesota hosting this one in the second round of games. Minnesota's Minnesota's on their on the on the wall here. They're they're on the ground. They're hurt. They're in the veterinary center because of the fact they're coming in just giving up everything possible on the ground, giving up a lot through the air. Yes, the offense looks great. The offensive line looks terrible. The defensive line is struggling. The secondary is awful. I'm a Vikings fan. I've seen it. I know it. I believe it. So the Chiefs just coming in here, man, a little bit too hot, a little bit too great as far as the Taylor Swift concerts and all the money she's making and all the fanfare she's bringing in, all the ticket prices she's driving up to where you've got a Vikings team that is just not very popular, not looking good. Nobody wants them. Barely struggled to beat the Panthers last week as the Chiefs just embarrassed everybody as usual. I mean, you know, whether it's Taylor Swift in New York or whether it's Chicago the week before, Chiefs look great. But to me, if you look at Kirk Cousins and somebody you've pointed out into some of the receivers and some of the Vikings action on offense, there's a lot there. And if we get a couple stops, if we get Mahomes to make a couple mistakes, if Taylor Swift sings a sour note at halftime, as I hope she does, then we've got the Vikings in this one, man. And we've got them, like I said, plus four, plus four and a half on Sunday. Yeah, this is the one game that I want nothing to do with um, on Sunday because it's just too tough to handicap, in my opinion. There's no score that the Chiefs could get up on the Vikings in that game and me think, all right, the Vikings are out of it. Like with their explosive True. offense, they could they'll you'll see it. They'll just go to effort mode and they'll they'll, they'll drop back fifty times and he'll st- Cousins yep. will sling it and like. Justin Jefferson rips apart every single secondary. Like he's gonna, he's gonna gash up this Chiefs secondary. You think? Remember that game last year? I know you do as a Vikings fan. Was it Christmas where they were down thirty-one nothing the Colts and they just against came, the Indianapolis Colts? Yeah, yep, they just turned came it on, roaring back, turned and on like, the stove. We saw the Chiefs take their foot off the gas last week, up seventeen to nothing against the Jets. This has been. Just a typical thing for the Chiefs and the whole Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid era, which no one could knock. I mean, they've went to five straight AFC Championship games, two Super Bowls. They'll probably win this one. But the Chiefs have an out with the back door. They could win outright or they could lose in a close game. There's three different outs in which in which the, the, the Vikings can cover the spread. So I'm not fading you, but I'm not tailing you either because I have a pretty strict policy on on betting for uh Kirk Cousins. That guy has cost me more money than any NFL quarterback. So I can't As follow you many. on that one. But like that's what makes you the man, dog. See if I'm the real dog after this week, man. There's gotta be a three and zero in here somewhere. I mean I love the two and ones stacked up on top of each other every week, Jeff, but I think this week is the one that maybe we get. But to your point about cousins, you're absolutely right. I mean, he has burned so many great people in life as far as people that have followed him and tailed him and thought he was going to bring him through. But the man is a good man, apparently. I mean, from the, the, the stuff we've seen on in the documentaries, I guess he's really a quality human. So I'm starting to come along to him. By the time I come along to who he really is and what he means to my team, he's going to be gone, I'm sure. But if you just look at his numbers, man, I mean, the guy's thrown for 200 more yards than Mahomes has this year. He's got 11 TDs versus eight for Mahomes, four, four interceptions versus four for Mahomes. It's really going to come down to the defense and something you point out I love, and this is why you're so good on this podcast, is just the fact that this could be a game where the Chiefs are up by 14, man, and everybody's like, oh, the Vikings are done, blah, 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 and then they come back and they score a tutty, or maybe they kick a field goal, whatever they do, and they're down by 11, and then they just pop a little tutty down at the end of the game like Justin runs 36 yards into the, into the end zone, or maybe Madison actually wakes up and does something, and then we cover it because it's already up to four and a half. This thing will probably go to five by Sunday as Taylor Swift promises a concert at halftime, LOL. And then we've got five points as a cushion, which the Chiefs have not proven to care to cover it all year. Oh, yeah. We could see the Chiefs 
put the game away by going up 10 points inside of a minute and a half or two minutes and then just not care. And the Vikings get a backdoor garbage touchdown to ruin all the Chiefs backers. Also, this is something that I just thought about talking to you. Great, great live betting game. Either team gets down double digits. You just take the dog there. Bang, bang. So, hey, you're helping me. Uh, make some money and make some informed handicaps and your help informing our listeners about how to be a little sharper, how to be a contrarian and how to ignore the public noise. Agreed. And getting over the emotion of it too, Jeff, you know, a lot of things, a lot of bets when I was starting out, you know, 20 years ago, let's say a lot of it was emotional. Like, Oh, there's no way this team can lose, or this is a sure thing or blah, blah, blah. Listeners throw that line of thinking out. Yes. It works sometimes, but it's going to cost you because the public is on that. So the books know that they're going to put extra oomph on that. They're going to put extra juice on that and so forth. And man, some of those ones, they're just those understudied unspoken moves that we've already made this year, which you can go back on the pods and listen to them. Stuff that just did not feel right is the stuff that's hitting. And it always does every year. Love it. Where can people find you? Yes. You can find me on Twitter, which I guess I'm told now is X by the way, which I always say Twitter. Cause I miss that beautiful little bird. It's uh, Twitter at Scotty Markets, where we get on there, man, and talk about uh, investments. We talk about sports, sports betting, so forth, and things like that. S-C-O-T-T-Y-M-A-R-K-E-T-S, at Scotty Markets, and a little bit of music, too, my friend. All right. Thanks, Scotty Markets. <laughs> I can't wait to uh, see how you perform this week. Again, hopefully we can break through, get a 3-0 and week. We're close, 2-1 and through your first four weeks, 8-4 and in the season. You're making money. You're making money for the listener, so I love it. Uh, follow us at Outkick Bets. Please leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can follow me at Jeffrey underscore Clark. And I'll talk to you guys for NFL Week 6. Peace, homies.